You're listening to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1. Good evening, Raleigh, and welcome to this week's Eye on the Triangle. I'm Nick Savage, and it's Tuesday, April 10th. And I'm Jake Langlois, and we thank you for tuning in. This week, we bring you stories from around Raleigh, including the opening of the new Nature Research Center at the museum downtown, the NCSU rocketry team, and Mark Herring chronicles the rise in popularity of do-it-yourself brewing. In addition, Occupy Raleigh is in the news again. We'll bring you some coverage of that later. Before we get to that, however, we have decided to devote the first half of our show to everything political in preparation for the upcoming primaries on May 8th. But before we get to that, let's take a look at what to expect this week in weather. What can we expect, Katie? Well, Nick, today we saw temperatures peak into the mid-70s with sunny skies, so it was an overall beautiful day. But tonight we will cool down to a chilly 40 degrees with partly cloudy skies. And you will definitely need to pull out a sweater for tomorrow since it will be a lot colder than we were today, with highs only peaking into the upper 50s. That is almost a 20-degree drop from where we were today. Tomorrow night will be especially cold with temperatures dropping into the lower 30s. In fact, a freeze watch is in effect from late tomorrow evening through Thursday morning. Thursday morning will be the coldest morning this week with lows dropping to near freezing temperatures across the triangle. So if you have plants, be sure to bring them inside. Now we will gradually warm up into the lower 60s by Thursday afternoon with sunny skies. But another chilly evening is in store for us Thursday night since lows will be in the mid-30s. Friday will be warmer with highs near 70 degrees and mostly sunny skies. Friday evening will be slightly warmer with lows in the lower 40s. And we will finally start to warm back up to where we were today on Saturday with highs in the mid-70s and lows in the mid-50s. But Sunday looks like the best day overall to get outside since temperatures will peak into the lower 80s with lows near 60. So, Nick, the good news is that we will be staying dry and seeing plenty of sunshine this week. But the bad news is that we will be a lot colder than average. Man, I can't wait for spring to come around finally. I know. Next, let's turn to DeAndre for the news. Thanks, Nick. North Korea said the assembly of a rocket it plans to launch in the north in the coming days should be completed Tuesday, setting the stage for a move that has been widely criticized by other nations. The launch will take place at some point between Thursday and Monday, as previously noted, Ryo Kun Chul, a senior North Korean space official, told reporters in Pyongyang. North Korea has said that the rocket will carry into orbit an Earth observation satellite to aid North Korea's economic development. Japan, the United States, and South Korea see the launch as a cover for a long-range ballistic missile test. Next, the Taliban claimed responsibility Tuesday for two suicide attacks on government facilities in Afghanistan that killed at least 18 people and wounded 27 others. Many of the dead were police officers. The first attack took place outside the police district administrator's office in the Ghazara district of western Herat province, when three suicide bombers in an SUV tried to enter the compound, according to, to Saeed Agasagi, the provincial, <clears throat> the provincial police chief. The bombers detonated their explosives when security forces wouldn't let them through the blast. Or through The blast killed 14 people, including three police officers, and wounded 22 others. Next, the European Court of Human Rights ruled against five terrorist suspects Tuesday, saying that they can be extradited to the United States despite their claims that they, will be, that they have been morally, uh, poorly treated. The court ruled that the suspects would not get ill treatment in supermaximum security positions, prisons if they are extradited, extradited to the United States and, convinced, and convicted in American courts, according to a statement from the European court. The court still needs to make a decision on one other suspect connected to the case. That's all we got today. Thanks, DeAndre. 
With the primary season ramping up and the general elections on the horizon, we were curious to see how the student body felt about the upcoming elections. Here's Grant Buckner with this week's Sound Bites. Hey guys, this is Grant Buckner. I journeyed around NC State asking students about their political lives. This is what they had to say. Are you registered to vote? Yes, I am. I am, yes. I know. I am? I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> I think I am. Yes. I am. Nope. I think so. Yeah. How, how sure are you that you're registered to vote? 50%. <laughs> What's your main source of political news? Fox News. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because they're the most unbiased media outlet. Reddit. <laughs> Reddit. Just kind of wherever I see it around campus. CBS News. Yeah. Why CBS? Because it's the easiest channel to get to. <laughs> probably what I hear from friends, family, that kind of stuff. I don't really watch much TV, so yeah. it's probably mostly from other people I hear. <laughs> definitely need to get more involved because it's been the first time I can actually vote, so I definitely need to look into it more so I can I get most of my news from the New York Times online. My dad is like probably the most familiar person with candidates that I know yeah. so I'm sure he's going to sit me down sometime and be like look this is what you need to do. <laughs> okay. so, he's a very informed voter. So there are those who are voting, those who aren't voting and those who don't know if they're registered to vote. But whether you're getting your political information from CNN, Fox News, or even your dad, you have the right to cast your ballot. So stay informed and hit the polls. Brian the Triangle, I'm Grant Buckner, 88.1 WKNC. And you're listening to Eye on the Triangle on 88.1 WKNC. This is Will Allen. I'm joined tonight by Sarah Parker of the NC State College Democrats and William Stepp of the College Republicans. Ms. Parker is a junior in middle grades education, Mr. Stepp a junior in electrical engineering. They join me tonight to discuss the 2012 presidential campaign, the North Carolina primary on May 8th, and the efforts by their respective parties to register voters at NC State. Mr. Stepp, Ms. Parker, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Yes, thank you for having us. The previously mentioned deadline to register for the May election is this Friday, April the 13th. What are the major issues for your party in the May election, and what has your organization been doing to mobilize NC State students around those issues? Ms. Parker, you first. Um, I think a lot of the focus is through education. Um, sorry. <laughs> yeah, we're bringing on – I'm sorry, I'm getting tongue-tied. <laughs> Quite all right. Um, the governor candidates are talking about uh, doing like a penny tax, and so every penny goes towards educa- education. Right. And um, that's been a big focus on like public schools, whereas the Republicans are focusing on charter schools. And basically what we've been doing on campus is um, registering voters. We've been working a lot with Wolfpack for Obama, um, just kind of getting the word out around campus. Mr. Stepp? Uh, yes, I think the, uh, the, the biggest issue is really the economy. I mean, uh, we need to start lowering the unemployment rate um, and uh, keeping job growth, spurring that. And I think that pretty much includes keeping tax rates down and encouraging small businesses, encouraging job growth. And I think that's one of the biggest issues and including lowering the national debt. We feel that's a big problem that we shouldn't pass on to to our future generations and that we should work to get rid of that now while we have the chance to do it. 
Um, in terms of what we're doing on campus, tomorrow on Wednesday, we're having a, uh, we'll be outside in the brickyard and we'll be with students for uh, Ron Paul, students for Mitt Romney, and uh, students for Pat McCrory. And we'll be registering students to vote. So if anyone would please like to come out, we can start getting this uh, election season uh, started off right. Looking ahead to the general election campaign, uh, do you both share in the widely held expectation that the president faces a much more difficult election campaign this year uh, than in 2008? Uh, yes, I, uh, the College Republicans definitely believe that uh, uh, the running mate who we believe now is Mitt Romney with the uh, loss of Rick Santorum in the race today. We believe he has the ability to take down uh, uh, the president simply because he has strong support and great electability. He was governor of Massachusetts, he was a, which is typically a Democrat hard state. Right. So we just we believe that he has support in the North, and that if he can get a, a good running mate who has shown that he has strong conservative values, we believe that he'll have a perfect opportunity to uh, take over the White House. Ms. Parker, the strengths, challenges, and opportunities facing the president this year? Um, I don't think that this one's going to be more difficult than 2008, because basically the president has been in office for four years now, and he's shown what he can do. Um, he's done a lot through, you know, bailing out the automobile industry. He's, um, well, the one that most college students are familiar with, killing Osama bin Laden. Um, He's created over 3 million jobs, and, you know, that was something whenever the Bush administration was in office, then we were losing jobs. Um, Whenever Obama came into office, then he, I think it was at the lowest unemployment rate that it's ever been, and he not only brought it back to an average level, but he raised that. Um, you know, I think people are going to support him seeing that he's done this already with really difficult cards that he was dealt, right. and he can only continue to do more. On the subject of the president's record, suppose that in June the Supreme Court rules that the president's signature health care law is unconstitutional. As local party activists, how would you make the best of that situation, Ms. Parker? Um, you know, that's a difficult one because we're really hoping that it's going to pass. Um, with the Health Care Act, then, you know, along with the the Affordable Care Act, then right. it allows students to especially to stay on their parents' insurance until they're 26, which I think is a big thing that you don't necessarily think about until you're graduating, um, whenever you're going out and you're going to start in this, you know, new job and you're going to have to start paying your own rent and everything being on insurance can really um can really help us out and would you seek to make that an issue if the law were struck down by the supreme court is that something the president could run on uh, on a criticism of the court in that regard yeah i think it's a really big thing and and also to go along with that then underneath the affordable care act then there's um around one million more people that are covered by this so you know, one of my biggest issues is why would you not want to offer health care to the most number of people? And so um, it'll be interesting to see what the outcome is. Mr. Stepp, I'm going to repeat the question. Should the law be struck down by the Supreme Court as unconstitutional? How would you respond to that as a party activist? How should the party respond? Well, although some parts of the law are good and we should keep those, such as the keeping health insurance for uh, college-age students through their early 20s. I think, in general, the law must be struck down because, clearly, it's just a place where the government has taken too much a part of our lives, such as the health care mandate forcing people to get health insurance, which I believe is against the values of America, freedom, liberty, equality. And it goes exactly against 
what America stands for. And I think it's clearly a place where the president has failed. And I think that many Republican candidates, if this were to be struck down, will 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 ride that train to the election and show just show this example time and time and again how he how the president has failed in this regards. And they'll and it will be a it will be a perfect swing into the election if it occurs. And can I comment on that? Absolutely. Um, actually, one of the biggest things that I've found, and, you know, this is just my personal opinion, and so I've done just a little bit of research. Don't hold me to it. But, um, you know, the biggest thing is having everyone have health care means that, you know, there's going to be not necessarily loans, but there's going to be funds to help people that can't afford it. And one of the biggest things for me is, you know, if someone goes into the hospital that, doesn't have health care, then the way that it's paid for is through our taxes. And so we're actually paying for them to be in the hospital, whereas if they, you know, were had their own health care, even just a basic form or, you know, had these, I can't think of the word, but had these funds to help them have the health care, then it wouldn't um, take so much out of our personal taxes. Right. And we remind our listeners that the individual mandate is the most controversial provision of the bill, which may be struck down uh, separately from the law. There being three possibilities. The mandate could be struck down, the law in its entirety struck down, or the law in its entirety preserved. Uh, you mentioned taxes. I want to turn to that subject for a moment. The presidential candidates have staked out diametrically opposed positions on taxation, with Governor Romney calling for a 20% across-the-board cut in income tax rates and President Obama reiterating his support for a return to the top marginal rates of 36 and uh, 39.6%, and a new minimum tax threshold for millionaires, the so-called Buffett rule. Which approach is likely to resonate most with the American voter and why? Mr. Stepp. Uh, well, I think the what is going to resonate with the voter most is something that's going to get the economy going. As college students, we know that w- after we graduate, we're going to have to be able to find a job in the job market. It's as, it's as clear as that, and currently it's very difficult to do so with the employment rate uh, at the way it is, with jobs just not being created like they should be. And I think that Romney's 20% across-the-board cut keeps jobs, will, will, will get job growth going because it will ensure that small business owners have the ability, have the, have the want to go out and purchase things. If you're being forced on high tax rates simply because you make a certain amount of money because you're a small business owner, that, that, that's not going to make you want to go out and hire people. It's not going to make you want to go out and purchase new equipment. And that is purchasing of, of inventory, of, of, of spurring the economy needs this lower tax rate. And I think that simply increasing it for the higher income groups and not looking at small businesses in particular is something that it, it's, 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 it's not what the country needs right now for job growth. Ms. Parker, your response? Um, touching on the first thing that he said uh, with jobs and everything, that's one thing that Obama is actually working on. Um, he's trying to get funds for the, I believe it's called the Pathway Back to Work Fund, which gives $1.5 billion to states to help create um, summer jobs for especially like low-income youth or um, you know, people that are just having a, a bad time. Like At-risk at groups, yes. At-risk groups, thank you very much. Yes, ma'am. Um, but whenever it comes to the taxes, then, you know, a lot of what our nation is upheld to is equality for all. And with with the taxes for millionaires, it's just them paying their fair share. It's not like they're paying more than, than what would be taken out of your salary. It's that they're paying the rate of what their taxes would be. Does that make sense? <laughs> I hope it does. Well, uh, is it okay? Absolutely. Um, 
I the problem with just this tax rate for a certain um, uh, uh, income level is that small business owners sometimes have to put their business earnings within their own income earnings. So that totally these these increased levels for income. Uh, brackets are just simply increasing those are simply hurting small business owners who hire the lower income groups who hire everyone middle class upper class lower class it doesn't matter and so simply doing uh, obama's tax plan as he has it now will have the opposite effect of the job growth that he's wishing but you know i, I don't think that it's fair to ask the middle class and you know the the working class to pay more out of their taxes when they don't necessarily have this money coming in and whereas you know the the what, what word did you use? Business owners, um, small business owners. Or they have this money coming in, and they're just asked to pay off of the money that they do have. I want to move on for a moment back to the GOP primary this afternoon. Former Senator Rick Santorum announced that he is suspending his presidential campaign, effectively ceding the Republican nomination to former Massachusetts Governor Mitt Romney. How does this change the dynamic of the May eighth elections and the coming general election, Mr. Step? Um, I I I think that it it sort of clears the air. I mean, Mitt Romney has been campaigning this entire time as if he has been the nominee. He's been going after President Obama constantly in his speeches. So I just think this is an official way that the media and everyone can understand that Mitt Romney will probably be the nominee this fall. And I think what we need to look at is who his running mate is going to be. And I think that's going to be a big, important part of seeing if he will how hard the trip will be in November. I mean, uh, names are being put around as Jeb Bush, Paul Ryan, right. uh, Bobby Jindal. There's there's many ways he can go, and I believe once we hear that name come out, then we'll know what the election is going to be like, and we'll know how it's going to be for Mitt Romney in order to uh, to win the presidential nomination Ms. in Parker, November. How, if at all, does uh, Senator Santorum's withdrawal affect President Obama's prospects? Um, I mean, I think it just helps focus in on Mitt Romney. Um, it helps us know how to go about the campaign in a sense. Um, yeah, I, I think that it definitely helps us. Polls suggest that the president's battle with the Catholic Church over the contraception and abortifacient insurance mandate has compromised his support among Catholic voters, traditionally an important group of independents. The president carried the Catholic vote by an impressive nine-point margin in 2008 compared to a seven-point margin popular vote victory. Now, however, a recent Rasmussen poll puts Catholic disapproval of the president at 59%. Is the mandate a liability or a potential opportunity for the White House? Ms. Parker. Um, you know, that's a difficult one. Uh, I understand. You know, I think, it, I think it definitely is an opportunity. You know, any way that you take on anything, then you can make an opportunity out of it. Um, hopefully through this uh, debate over contraception, then it's going to bring in another crowd that maybe wasn't um, as prominent in voting in the past. Um, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Stepp. Well, I, I definitely believe it's a liability for him because um, Catholic vote is important in the United States and, well, it, it, in every state in general, but especially the swing states. And even in the North where Mitt Romney has received much support. And I think that the Catholic vote is going to, if it swings – to Romney's side, he's going to be able to pick up northern states that have been strongly Democrat for recent years. And that will simply, well, it will, first of all, demoralize the president's campaign if he could, if he loses in those hard uh, Democrat strongholds. And I think that it's it's only good for Romney if, if uh, uh, the Catholic disapproval rating of Obama is going up. And I did just want to tie in that, like, I, I 
think honestly it's a little bit silly that this has become such a prominent part of the campaign because it's a social issue. You know, it's something we're at a time when we need to be focusing on education and on the economy. And instead we're, you know, going back to something that we, an issue that was big in the fifties and sixties about, you know, a woman's body and what she can and can't do. And these issues are coming back again, where we need to focus on the future and economic terms. If I could just ask you both briefly to state what are the key issues facing voters in the national election this year? Okay, well, I mean, it's 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 definitely the economy. I believe that is the main issue that sort of trumps every other one. Um, lowering the debt. I mean, currently we have fifteen plus trillion dollars worth of debt. You you can't just uh, just uh, brush that aside. Something has to be done about it. You can't keep piling it on. You have to increase the unemployment, you have to spur job growth, and all of these, you need, and then you need to lower the debt. And I think that someone like Mitt Romney and other people, such as bringing in Pat McCrory as governor, just small steps will help to lead to this job growth. And he's even focusing on education, such as you mentioned, is a very important part. And Pat McCrory is, is big on education. And I think that he would be a perfect governor in North Carolina for our school system. Ms. Parker, major issues facing voters this year. Um, I mean, I would agree. Um, economy and education. Democrats just have a different way of looking at it. Um, one thing that I know uh, McCrory has brought up is one charter schools and two he has like a two a two way system for high school, and that's either to oh go through like technical training or to go on a college path, and that's something that's an issue that Democrats are looking at a completely opposite way. We think that everyone should be allowed to have equal opportunity through education. Um, you know, with the economy, and, and specifically North Carolina, like I, like I mentioned earlier, the, the one-penny tax, um, you know, focusing on, on equal opportunity. <laughs> we'll close with a couple more questions about local activism. In a bid to put North Carolina in play, the National Democratic Party has announced plans to hold their convention in Charlotte this year. Uh, for Ms. Parker, do you expect to bring a large delegation of NC State students to the convention? And how will you translate that uh, convention in the Queen City back here to support in Raleigh? Um, we're doing the best that we can to figure out uh, who we're going to be bringing with us. We're gonna we're applying just like anyone else to be volunteers. Um, and, you know, we've also got to figure out because that conflicts with a few of our class schedules. And so right. we've got to – I know that I'll personally be there no matter what um, – I'm sorry, what was the second part? Oh, whether uh, you'll be able to translate the uh, attendance at the convention into greater support here at NC State. Um, hopefully so. I mean, I think Charlotte is such a great city, but it's it's great in its own way. It, it's different than Raleigh. So hopefully we can bring that excitement back from Charlotte to Raleigh, but just kind of give it the Raleigh twist. And last but not least, what is the number one reason that a Wolfpack student should register with your party this week? Mr. Stepp. Well, I, I think clearly the uh, North Carolina State University College Republicans is the best party on campus to join. And starting tomorrow, we are really getting things started off for the November election. You uh, will be out in the Brickyard. Once again, we'll be with uh, students for Ron Paul, students for Mitt Romney, students for Pat McCrory. You can come out and get registered to vote for May 8th or and November. And I believe that if you want a job provided to you after you go to college, you need to look at what the Republican Party and what North Carolina State University uh, 
uh, College Republicans offers because that is the best situation to spur job growth, keep the, the debt down, and ensure that you have a job and your kids have a job in the future. And I believe that's through the College Republicans. Ms. Parker. Um, you know, you say that the college Republicans are the best on campus, but I think that the Democrats are the best on campus. And mainly because we, we offer what I've been saying over and over, equal opportunity. I think that we really reach out to, um, a broad spectrum of students, you know, any, any religion, any race, uh, any economic status, you know, we're, we're there to help you out. Um, you know, specifically for NC, NC State students, then um, with our education, then Obama has helped with Pell Grants um, that will help allow more, um, excuse me, more incoming students to have college accessible to them. Um, as I mentioned before, the pathway back to workforce with Obama creating summer jobs, um, the Affordable Care Act that and. Basically, Obama creating over three million jobs. A stark choice facing voters in this year's election, adroitly presented by William Stepp of the NC State College Republicans and Sarah Parker of the College Democrats. The deadline to register to vote in the May 8th elections in North Carolina is this Friday, April 13th. Check your local polling station. Ms. Uh, Parker, Mr. Stepp, thank you very much for joining us. Thank I'm Will you. Allen, thank and you're you. listening to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC. Back to you, Nick. Well, it seems Occupy Raleigh is in the news again. Nine protesters were arrested yesterday in Raleigh after trespassing on a foreclosed home. Andrew has more. Occupiers defended a Raleigh family's home from illegal foreclosure yesterday, facing police and protests of the banking industry's unfair practices. The house at 2633 Pebble Meadow Lane in Raleigh belongs to the Shelton family, victims of predatory lending whose house had been authorized for foreclosure a year ago by Wells Fargo with an illegal process called RoboSign. Robo-signing is a technique used by banks like Wells Fargo and Bank of America to have computers sign foreclosure documents. Although the same person's name appears on every document, there are inconsistencies in the signatures. This technique is illegal, but is still in use. The Sheltons were evicted in April 2011 and have been homeless since, living with friends but keeping some of their belongings in the house, which were scheduled to be removed and thrown out by the bank on April 8th. The protesters, consisting of members of Occupy Raleigh, Occupy Greensboro, Save Our Home, and Mortgage Fraud, protected the Shelton's property but drew the attention of the Raleigh Police Department. Dozens of cops were present throughout the day, at sometimes even outnumbering the 40 protesters. Even though they acted peacefully, a SWAT team arrived and arrested nine of the occupiers for trespassing. It's expected more than 10 other families face illegal foreclosure in the same neighborhood as the Shelton's. Housing is a human right, says Todd Warren, an organizer of the protest. We're not going to let people be put out of their homes while the banks make record profit. We would like to remind our listeners that the views reflected in the previous segments do not necessarily reflect those of WKNC, Student Media, or NCSU. Now we're going to take a quick break. Stay tuned. If you've been downtown lately, you've probably noticed a giant globe under construction. 
Yes, the Daily Planet has come to Raleigh as part of the Natural Science Museum's brand new Nature Research Center, set to open on April 20th. DeAndre Jones recently sat down with the director of science communications for the new research center. the sounds you just heard are most definitely interesting, but what do they all have in common? Science. Why is science seen as a boring or monotonous topic when so many different wonders result from scientific discoveries? The Nature Research Center that is opening soon in downtown Raleigh aims to show people the true, amazing nature of science. This is why David Kroll joined me in the studio to talk about what the new Nature Research Center actually is. Hey guys, my name is DeAndre Jones, and I am sitting here with David Kroll, the Science Communications Director for the Nature Research Center. It's a pretty big project, and it definitely deserves a good amount of awareness from our listeners at least. David, first of all, what exactly is the Nature Research Center? So, uh, DeAndre, the the Nature Research Center is the new 80,000-square-foot wing of North Carolina's flagship State Museum of Natural Sciences, which has been around in the state capitol for 132, 133 years, and that large collection of specimens and great programs that we've had there uh, that sort of teaches us what we know about the natural world has now expanded in the Nature Research Center to tell us how do we know what we know. So like what is, what's the scientific process by which we generate information and then try and make conclusions out of that information. As a science communications director, what is your job at the Research Center? Yeah, I wear a couple different hats. Uh, I mean, first and foremost, um, I have a joint appointment here at NC State in the College of Humanities and Social Sciences, and I will be teaching science writing for the media this fall, English 520, for those of you still registering. But I'm a scientist by training. I'm a cancer researcher who's been discovering drugs from plants and other natural sources, microbes that grow in the soil. And as science communications director, my goal is really to be more of a bridge between the scientists and the public. That's really a metaphor for what the whole NRC is about is is the fact that the public will get to engage directly with scientists without any filtering, you know, by the media or by politics or anything. It is it's exclusively to be a learning experience for the public and a way for the public, kids, adults, senior citizens, to be able to engage in how science is actually done. So this might be a bit of a colloquial question, but is there research being done at the NASA Research Center or is it uh, specifically for the public to interact with these scientists? Right. So the Nature Research Center is really split into three sections. I mean, one is our primary educational um, mission and and exhibits mission to share information with the public. But there are two types of laboratories at the NRC. One is actually where people can come in and do experiments of their own. These are so-called investigate labs. So there's one in microbiology, one in biodiversity, and one uh, in visualization where there's going to be a whole bunch of computers and 3D graphics so people can see how data is, is examined by science today. But yes, you're right. There are four uh, research laboratories that are run by world-leading scientists, 
all of whom have, like me, joint appointments at one of North Carolina's state universities uh, who will be generating peer-reviewed, publishable data that you're going to see in scientific journals. And our hope and our goal is to be able to bring over interns from our universities, graduate students, postdoctoral fellows, and, and even visiting faculty to work in our laboratories and work in partnership with us. Very cool. Um, so this is definitely like a revolutionary event. Uh, even if you go to Google Earth, you can see the, the giant globe already, which is a very, very interesting feat. And you said this is 80,000 square feet? Right. So the, so the entire wing is about 80,000 square feet. The existing museum, for those of you who've been with us, is about 215,000. The actual NRC wing is 56,000 square feet of exhibit space. And what you're talking about, the big steel globe that a, a lot of people call the Death Star, is actually the SECU Daily Planet, which is our uh, immersive multimedia theater, which is really obviously the centerpiece as you go down Jones Street when you come to the Capitol and you see this big stainless steel sphere. Uh, and what's great about it is it was supported by private money. It came from the State Employees Credit Union Foundation. All of us who have accounts there that give a dollar a month in our maintenance fee goes to the SECU Foundation, and that paid for the globe. And if this week uh, we're finishing up having the satellite images of Earth applied to the globe. So if you come down there now, you can see uh, contractors from a graphics firm in Cincinnati called World FX up there in a cherry picker applying the map. I mean, it's really fascinating to see. Definitely. When is the exhibit opening? Right. So the wing is opening in kind of a private soft launch. It's a fundraising gala that's going to be this Friday, uh, April 13th. It's already sold out, believe it or not, over 900 tickets at uh, $200 a ticket, which, uh, you know, is not not all that accessible. But I mean, that speaks to the excitement that folks in Raleigh and around the state of North Carolina have for this wing. But the real thing is going to be the public grand opening beginning Friday the 20th at 5 p.m. It's going to start with a ceremony where we'll essentially block off four blocks around the museum. There'll be a procession from the governor's mansion. Uh, we'll have guest speakers, a cutting of the ribbon, and then folks can come in uh, literally for 24 hours. We'll be going <laughs> all hours of the day and night with a whole bunch of different kind of programming. And for that public opening, is there a cost associated with it? No, just like our museum is every day, it is free admission. And, you know, that's a really cool thing because I think that's been a mission of our museum director, Dr. Betsy Bennett. Every time she's pushed to add an admissions fee, she says no, because this truly is for all North Carolinians and really all people around the country and the world to come and explore science firsthand. Definitely. That's a great thing uh, that you guys are doing with this new wing. So when you came into the studio today, you gave me this mystery box and you told me a little bit about the promotion, <laughs> which is I think is really cool. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about it? Yeah, so this promotion came from our graphics, marketing, and public relations department. Uh, it's a great thing on radio we can talk about. It's a four-by-four-inch cardboard box called a mystery box, and it was designed after a promotion that was done by the Art Institute of Chicago, where to celebrate the opening of, of their new wing, they put prizes, coupons, all kinds of things in these boxes. As, as you can see, ours has our trademark question mark, which is to represent what the Nature Research Center is about, how we ask questions and how we answer those questions. The band around the box, 
box is actually biodegradable seed paper. If you look, you can actually plant that in your garden and eight different types of wildflowers will grow out of that. We distributed 500 of these around the triangle over the last two weeks. We would tweet and post pictures of where we put them and folks would pick them up and then tweet, you know, where they found them at either at Natural Sciences or at NRC Grand Opening. And 10 of the 500 boxes contained a marble, which would give the recipient two free tickets to the after party of this gala. These were $75 a piece tickets and the after parties 10 to 1 at the NRC. It's going to have food, open bar, bands, and so forth. So there are still a few mystery boxes lurking around the triangle. I think as far out as Garner and Holly Springs, and I think I even put a couple in Hillsboro. And if you follow on Twitter, the hashtag after party box, you still may be able to find some of these out there. Could you repeat that Twitter? Sure. Right. So, so the uh, the Twitter accounts at Natural Sciences or at NRC Grand Opening, and the hashtag and the hashtag is after party box, which is what it was meant to originally promote the after party. All right, guys, so you, know, you heard it. If you happen to find one of these mystery boxes, and believe me, they're very cool. I was lucky enough to receive one myself. Um, if you happen to happen upon them, you know. And if there's any still in my car, when I go back to the parking garage, I'll go, I'll go pop a few around and tweet to you. Definitely, definitely. So my final question is, if you could describe the purpose of the NRC in two sentences, how would you describe it? The purpose of NRC is to show that science is for everybody, regardless of your background. And science is fun. Really, really fun. Thank you, guys. This has been DeAndre Jones with David Kroll. I'm really grateful to have him in the studio today. Any final words? Yeah, it's great to be with you. I just hope everybody comes out for the 24-hour opening beginning Friday, April 20th at 5 p.m. on Jones Street. Come on out. Have a great time. Spend 24 straight hours with us or come <laughs> afterward. We're going to be open the day after, so come on by. <laughs> and for Eye on the Triangle, this has been DeAndre Jones. Brewing is fast yeah, sorry. Brewing is fast becoming one of the most popular interests among young entre entrepreneurs. So popular, in fact, that NC State recently began offering courses in the brewing sciences. Mark Herring has more. Blake Layfield's research hub isn't the typical microbiology lab full of petri dishes and lab coats. His lab, full of 80-gallon tanks, cultures the focus of his research, a microbe called Saccharomyces cerevisiae, also known as brewer's yeast. Layfield's passion is beer. And with the guidance of John Shepard in the Food, Bioprocessing, and Nutrition Science Department, he is working towards a doctorate in fermentation. While specializing in yeast culture and the particular byproduct of its metabolism, beer, Layfield and Shepard are looking to improve brewing techniques and the efficiency of fermentation. The ancient practice of fermentation is now a field heavy in microbiology and biochemistry. Though studying beer may seem like an extracurricular for many students, Layfield is serious about his approach to his research and said it reflects his conviction that brewing as much as a science as it is a diversion. So what got him interested in beer? Uh, I graduate level class in the food science program, but they talk about yogurt fermentation, sauerkraut, pickles, beer, wine. Um, he kind of covers all the bases. But the great thing about brewing is that it really incorporates all the big disciplines of food science. You've got chemistry, you've got microbiology, you've got engineering, you've got sensory analysis, you've got nutrition. Um, it's, it's really a, a great tool for, for getting out food science in general to the mass public in a, in a format that everybody likes to talk about. You know, beer is something kind of fun to talk about. There's a lot of science behind it, and that's um, kind of what we're trying to, to promote here is the science of beer and, and the science behind all of that. Um, 
you know, so that we can have people that, that know how to really discuss food science and really know how to discuss um, beer and wine and, and all these, these types of um, things that we use, drink, eat every day. So it's kind of a, it's, it's a neat subject, and I personally love doing it. Yeah. So um, I'll take you guys through a little bit of our analytical measurements. So, like, you know, on a typical day, what would I come down here and do is from a science perspective. So I try to keep this stuff. The brewers dry. use high-performance liquid chromatography to get the exact measurement of alcohol they have in their beer and how many grams per liter of sugars they have. Through that, they can monitor the fermentation process. Additionally, the Brew Lab is looking at a new system using near-infrared technology for modeling not only ethanol and yeast carbohydrate consumption, but also yeast viability and yeast concentration, according to Layfield. A triplicate of our smaller batches is to see how our, how our models are holding up. And for this one, we're, we're looking at a new system of using uh, near-infrared uh, technology um, for modeling not only ethanol, and uh, consumption of carbohydrates, but also yeast viability and yeast concentration. So it would give you real-time uh, assays of what's going on in your batch. So if you see something going going wrong or going south, you can work quickly to, to modify that in order to hopefully save your batch. So this could be a, a really big technology um, for brewing. And in my case, I look at yeast aging, and we're also looking to reduce this variability and, uh, and fermentation. So again, it's part of that total kind of uh, yeast management strategy and how to make a better brew. Less variability, uh, more consistent product, and this is what you, know, you should always strive for when you're making a beer is a, con- is a consistent reproducible product. And the Brew Lab already has plenty examples of consistent reproducible products. Some of these include the Chancellor's Choice IPA and the Pullen Park Porter. However, they can't market these beers, but that might change, not soon, but in the future. According to Dr. Chris Dover, the interim head of the Department of Food, Bioprocessing, and Nutrition Sciences, to make it completely clear, the university cannot sell beer. However, if the department finds itself with the approval of the product, it might be able to market beer just like Helen Cal ice cream. And those dollars would recirculate into the educational system. For Layfield, that's something to drink a beer to. And from Eye on the Triangle, I am Mark Herring. Each year, NASA hosts a university student launch initiative. Nick recently went out to visit the NC State team to discuss the team's plans for this year's competition. Firing chain is armed. House suppression water system is armed. Go for main engine start. Eight, seven, six, four, three, two, zero. There are many, many clubs here at NC State, though the rocketry team is probably one of the more unique ones. The team participates in the NASA-hosted University Student Launch Initiative, which challenges students to design, build, and launch a rocket that will soar to one mile above ground level. However, the rocket has to be reusable and must carry a scientific or engineering payload during its flight. The team is known as Taco Lycos, which is Greek for Speedy Wolf, and they're seeking to impress at the competition in Alabama. NASA only requires us to do one payload, and this year we are doing two, and uh, we're trying our best to uh, do things that haven't been done before. So yeah, our second payload is our MR payload, which is a meteorological payload, which is going to be kind of like a suspension system. It's just going to be um, kind of like what 2012 Camaros have in their suspensions. That's Garrett, the design lead and optimization lead for the team. The system he's describing helps to reduce some of the vibrations caused by acceleration during the rocket's flight and is intended to do so during the rocket's entire ascent. 
It works by sending electrical signals and causing a liquid within the payload to become a semi-solid. I mean, what's really cool about a rocket this year is carbon fiber composite material. It's very sturdy, so it has to be a reusable rocket in the sense that all we have to do to it is throwing another motor in there and then hitting the button. Sean, who works on the CO2 payload and funding for the project, describes the innovative reusable features of this CO2 payload. It's designed to be totally reusable between flights, and you can change out the scrubber material and then dispose of it. Actually, we're looking at cool ways to environmentally dispose of the chemical material that we use. One option is it surprisingly makes a really good fertilizer for fruit trees. <laughs> so we're exploring some cool environmental uses like that that are hopefully going to give us a couple points. Another unique aspect of the rocket is the CO2 scrubber which takes in carbon dioxide during the rocket's descent and helps to cancel the carbon dioxide output by the rocket's motor, which means the rocket will ultimately be CO2 neutral. This year's competition takes place next Saturday near Huntsville, Alabama, where the NCSU rocketry team will go up against teams from schools around the country. Clark, the lead for construction, explains the scoring. The majority of your score is actually done in reports, three of which we've already completed. One proposal, a PDR, which is a preliminary design review, and a CDR, which is a critical design review. So those are the majority of the points in the competition come from. The report stuff of rocketry is not the most exciting aspect. However, it definitely gives us an opportunity to write technical reports and actually uh, get that experience. In addition to the reports, the rocket's recovery and flight also contribute to the team's overall score. Having two payloads, however, does not give the team extra credit. We like to think that we receive extra <laughs> points, but there's no written rules that say in the handbook you receive extra points for having a second payload. But it definitely takes more work, and I think NASA will see that. Yeah, definitely. And uh, at the beginning of the year, we had the option of just choosing one of two of these payloads, and the club at the time was really split between both of those payloads. We really wanted to do both the CO2 stuff and to do the MR payload, and we decided to do both because we figured that we had a funding for it. So things are going pretty good there. So when we get to Alabama, we'll actually get there a few days before launch. And there's a few things we do. We actually get to take a tour of uh, NASA's facilities there. We get to see some of their equipment there and take a big tour. And then we also have a rocket fair um, where we get to actually talk about our rocket and our payloads and what we're actually doing and present them to NASA engineers and other people. And then there's also a banquet, too, that is held. So there's plenty of events that are happening prior to launch. The competition will be live-streamed online, so be sure to check ncsurocketry.com on April 21st to watch Taco Lycos represent NC State. We really want to put our best foot forward, and that's why we've come up with two really innovative payload designs, and we went the extra mile with a carbon fiber rocket, and we're really trying to give the best reputation for NC State that we can on a national scale, and we think that we're going to accomplish that. The team consists of students from all years of study and a variety of majors are involved, from working on the rocket to helping with the group's outreach component and even public relations, and students often come with little experience. Everyone is welcome and encouraged to contact the group via their website at ncsurocketry.com, where you can also check out some of the ways to support the group. That's ncsurocketry.com. For Eye on the Triangle, I'm Nick Savage. Zero and liftoff for the final launch of Endeavor. Expanding our knowledge, expanding our lives in space. Houston Endeavor, all program. Roger, Endeavor. Houston is now controlling. With Easter over, you might think all the major holidays are over with, but you'd be wrong. Dave is here to tell us what holidays we should be celebrating. Thanks, Nick. Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Holidays of the Week. It's me again. I'd like to wish all of you a happy National Farm Animals Day, National Sibling Day, and National Library Day. Today also marks the beginning of Health Information Privacy and Security Week, 
which is a big one. That sounds really exciting. I'm going to make sure to celebrate that. Uh, Tomorrow is National Pet Day and Barbershop Quartet Day. And if you're really cool, you can get four parrots and teach them to sing in a quartet. By tomorrow? By by tomorrow, if you're cool. Could you just sing to your pet? No. Could you get them, like, little barbershop stripes and, like, the straw hats and the mustaches? Yes, required. And if you can think of a name for such a quartet, feel free to post it on our Facebook page. Uh, Thursday is Drop Everything and Read Day, which I'm sure you remember from elementary school. It's International Day of Human Space Flight, Nick. Yes. And oh, yeah. Walk on Your Wild Side Day, Jake. What, is, what does that even mean? I Walk on Your Wild Side, Jake. I Okay. As if, right. Are you trying to say like you don't have a wild side? No, I, I do. You'll know on Thursday. <laughs> All right. It seems that we have a lot of very long names for our holidays this week, so... Bear with me, I might run out of breath. Um, now, Friday is Thomas Jefferson Day and Scrabble Day, and you almost can't get any better than that, So is it in his, my opinion. It's his birthday? I believe so. Okay, cool. Yes. And Saturday is Dictionary Day and Baby Massage Day. Okay, now where did that even come I, from? I don't know whether that means you should massage a baby, <laughs> get a baby to massage you, or massage someone else like very softly or something. I'm not I'm not sure how that but if you want to do some research, look it up. Saturday is baby massage day. That sounds really creepy. I don't think I will be participating. I, if you I are participating will abstain. if you are participating, refrain from posting on our wall about participating. <laughs> Sunday is tax day, of course. McDonald's Day, Titanic Remembrance Day, and That Sucks Day. And I guess That Sucks Day is kind of self-explanatory after you see the other three. I guess, um, yeah, I was going to say, I guess it, it's kind of good that the, That Sucks lands on the same day as Titanic Remembrance Day. And McDonald's Day. McDonald's, okay. And Tax Day. That all makes sense. All of them, yep. Uh, lastly, Monday is National Eggs Benedict Day. Eggs Benedict is a... I've heard it's delicious. I've never had it Me because neither. it involves meat. Oh. It's a dish with eggs. I don't remember. Well, thanks, Jake. It's got, I, I it's got it. two Not halves of an English muffin and, and poached eggs and, like, bacon and stuff. Go eat some <clears throat> next Monday. I, they don't, the curious thing about Eggs Benedict is they don't know where the recipe originally came from. There's, like, four st- four stories. Where did the name come from? I don't know. Oh, well, that's like, you can Wikipedia it, okay? Just a name. Just look up Eggs Benedict on Wikipedia and no, read it. I don't it think I will. It is quite fascinating, okay? okay? Uh, Monday is also National Stress Awareness Day. So if you're looking, if you missed Baby Massage Day, maybe you can celebrate a little late and, you know, be aware of your stress. <laughs> Especially for those of us in college, you know, yeah. all these exams, yeah. Yeah, and it's also Patriots Day which commemorates the Battle of Lexington and Concord. Now that's, uh, I think September 11th is also called Patriot Day, right? Well, that's a little, yeah, that's a little misleading, the two. Yeah, I think we have a Patriot Day and a Patriots Day. Okay. So so next Monday we're celebrating the Patriots. Patriots with, a, way with the when. apostrophe. Oh, okay. Patriots okay. Day. Okay. Um, and that'll wrap up our holidays for the evening. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to celebrate your way through the week. All right. Thank you, Dave. Now, next, let's see what's going on around campus. Here's what's going on in NC State. 
Starting Wednesday, April 11th at 3 p.m., NC State Fashion Week 2012 will take place on Centennial Campus through Friday, April 13th. The three-day event will include an opening press conference, two fashion shows, two days of forums, an exhibition showcase, and marketplace. Please visit ncstatefashionweek.com to register and pay for events. Also on Wednesday, the film Semper Fi, Always Faithful, will be playing for free in Witherspoon Student Theater at 7 p.m. At 9.30 p.m., Blood Diamond will also be playing in Witherspoon for free. There will be a Turkish festival in the Caldwell Lounge of Caldwell Hall at 12 p.m. on Thursday. The festival will feature water marbling, Turkish calligraphy, handmade crafts, fun activities for you and your family, world-famous Turkish coffee, and delicious Turkish cuisine. Admission is open to the public. Don't miss Arabian Nights playing in Thompson Hall Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at 7.30 p.m. or Sunday at 2 p.m. Only $5 for NC State students with a student ID. For more information on these events, go to ncsu.edu forward slash calendar. The film Urbanized will be playing on Sunday, April 15th at 7 p.m. for free. And on Monday, April 16th, the double feature Saraba and Say My Name will be playing for free as well. Cash Me If You Can will have showings Friday, April 13th and Saturday, April 14th for free. Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, as well as The Adventures of Tintin, will be playing in Witherspoon Student Theater Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Go to ncsu.edu forward slash cinema for showtimes. Fry in the Triangle, this is Grant Buckner saying have a great week. We'd also like to mention that Windover will be hosting the 2012 Windover release party next Monday, April 16th from 7 until 9 p.m. in the Craft Center. Everybody that attends gets a free 2012 Windover, so be sure to pick one up. Also next Saturday, April 14th, is the full-frame documentary film festival in Durham, North Carolina. The documentary Radio Unnameable about radio legend Bob Fass begins at 4.50. Check out fullframefest.org for more information. Now for the answer to last week's riddle. Congratulations to James Lehman for getting the correct answer via Facebook. The detective knew it was a murder because the tape had been rewound when the police entered the room. This week's riddle is as follows. A poor man is sitting at a bar. He sees a rich man take out a 50 out of his pocket to pay the cashier. The poor man says to the rich man, I know every song known to man. The rich man laughs and says, I bet you all the money in my pocket that you can't sing a song with my daughter's name in it, Sarah Lee Grayson. The poor man went home rich and the rich man went home poor. What question or what song did the poor man sing? If you know the answer, be sure to tell us on our Facebook page or tweet to us at WKNC underscore EOT. And as always, if you heard anything you liked, you hated, or anything that just made you think, let us know on our Facebook page. You can also follow us on Twitter at, again, WKNC underscore EOT. Also, be sure to check out our blog at WKNC.org, where you can also download our podcast. And just a note to our faithful listeners, next week there will be an NCSU baseball game starting on Tuesday at 6 p.m., which means we'll be looking for another time to broadcast. Be sure to check out our Twitter or our blog for the latest information on that. Until next week. Good night.